Some of you guys may have had this experience growing up. Uh, mom or dad gives you some money, $10, $15 for a specific purpose. Like you need it for school, for a field trip, you need it for, for this or that. Uh, says, hey, okay, here, here you go, give this. And you say, well, on the way there, I accidentally spent it on something else. I got uh, some candy or I got a toy or I got this or that. Uh, and then and you go back and say, mom, I accidentally spent the money not on what I was supposed to spend it on. I know that's probably none of y'all, but you can relate to the idea of that happening. And then, and then you say, Mom, I need some more money. And Mom says, no. <laughs> What'd you do with the money I already gave you? You wasted what I gave you. Why on earth would I give you more, right? Some of you guys say, that was last week for me. Uh, <laughs> Mom gave me money for, the, for, for, for rent. And then I saw, oh, there's this new Madden game. And uh, oops. Um, so yeah, why am I going to give you more? When you've not been faithful uh, with what you had. My, my daughter, youngest daughter, Hannah, uh, loves to play with toys, loves to play with uh, dolls. And, and there's one particular set of uh, dolls. They weren't Barbies, but like that kind of style doll. The, the legs would pop off like at the slightest. Like you looked at it funny from across the room, the legs would pop. You know, they'd go flying off. Um, the things were just not made well. They were fragile. Uh, and, and Hannah, and Hannah had, had broken the legs off one of these dolls. Uh, but in her mind, no big deal. Dad's just going to get me a new one, right? And it's like, no, 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 no. No, we're not going to. If you break the toy that you have, uh, we can't, can't just go and, go and get a new one. You've got to be a uh, good steward of, of what you have. You've got to take care of what you've got, right? In the same way that uh, man, mom gives you some money uh, to, to, to go pay for some school supplies, and you blow it on bubble gum and pop rocks, right? And you come back and say, oh, mom, I need, I need some more money. You know, and she'll say, no, what'd you do with the money I gave you, right? Or why should I give you more if you didn't do right with what I gave you? Uh, but we do the exact same thing to God, right? God provides for us. He gives us money. Uh, and then we say, hooray! And then we just go spend it on whatever, right? And then, and then we hit a financially desperate place. And we say, God, I need, I need more of that money. I need some more funds. I need some more finances coming my way. And God says, what'd you do with what I gave you, right? Like, what, what, what did you do with the money I already entrusted to you. And, and we're like, well, <laughs> see what, what happened was. Um, and so, so what I want to talk about tonight is, man, what we do with the money that God uh, trusts to us, the money that God's entrusted to us, what we do with it uh, matters. So tonight we are talking about money. We're looking at principles from Scripture. They're going to help us to manage our funds, manage our finances wisely. Uh, before we get into it, though, and I wanted to, I felt like I needed to do a few disclaimers, okay? A few disclaimers, and then we'll jump into the scripture. We aren't talking about finances at Chi Alpha tonight because I want your money, right? Or because Chi Alpha wants your money. We don't, right? We don't, we don't want your money. Um, in fact, we don't even take up offerings in Chi Alpha. Uh, you know, I, I've entertained the, the idea of, of maybe in the future doing some kind of like once a month offering or something in Chi Alpha to help fund the ministry at Chi Alpha. Uh, help us to bless students, pay for scholarships for events and, and trips, and uh, to, to bless missionaries, those kind of things. Um, but I'm not doing that tonight, and I'm probably not going to do it in the next month, right? This, I'm not talking about money because I'm trying to get money out of you. A lot of people may have been burned by the church, or their family has been burned by the church, and they have this idea, pastor just wants my money, church just wants my money. That's not why we're talking about this, right? Um, you know, I, I, I don't want your money. Uh, I want you to be blessed, uh, I want you to experience financial freedom and financial peace. Uh, that's why we're talking about this, right? So not, not because I want your money, because I want what's best uh, for you. Um, I'm not taking up an offering tonight. Uh, disclaimer number two, this is not a prosperity gospel teaching. Some of you guys say, what is that? Um, man, there, there, there's this idea that's become really popular uh, in Western Christianity in the last few decades uh, that, that's referred to as, as, as the prosperity gospel. And it overemphasizes the pursuit of God to get stuff, to get material possessions, instead of the pursuit of God because he saved us from our sins, right? And because he's worthy of our worship uh, and our devotion. But it overemphasizes, man, if you serve God, then he's going to give you the fanciest car. He's going to give you the nicest house, right? If you give, uh, if you give, give, give to the church, then, then, then God's going to make sure you never have to pay another bill again in your life. This kind of nonsense, right? Um, that's being perpetuated in, in some circles, uh, and man, especially about people take advantage of folks saying, hey, if you give to my ministry, then, then I guarantee God's going to do this, this, and this for you. And it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, and so this is not that kind of teaching. This is not, if you do this, then you're going to be wildly blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You're never going to have, a, uh, have to pay a bill again. You're never going to be in, in want for money again. This is not that, right? So understand, this is not that. 
God never promises we'll be rich. Never. He doesn't do it. Uh, and wealth is no indication of godliness. Sometimes godly, righteous people uh, will suffer and deal with poverty and deal with financial trouble. Jesus promised, promised that in this life you will have trouble. You will have it. One of those troubles might be maybe financial, right? Uh, in this life you will have trouble. Paul, heroic missionary church planner who wrote half of your New Testament, Paul says, man, there's times that he went without. There's times that he went hungry, right? Uh, there, there's no guarantee that you're going to be crazy wealthy and rich for following God. Um, we're not guaranteed anywhere that we're going to have wealth in this life, but the Bible teaches that through it all, God is with us. He's going to make sure that we have what we need to fulfill his will for our lives. And regardless of whatever our temporary troubles are, man, our eternal security is guaranteed with Jesus, right? We know that when this life is over, uh, my home is forever in heaven with God. Uh, no matter what troubles I go through, uh, on this life, they're going to be temporary compared to an eternity in heaven with Jesus, right? I may not be rich now, but I'm going to be rich forever in heaven with Jesus, right? That, that's, that's the idea. Um, the, 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 the truth of Scripture is not God's going to make you rich, so follow Jesus. It's, it's uh, man, follow Jesus because, man, we are dead and lost in our sins without him. We need him to save us and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And, and God will, will take care of you. He'll make sure you have uh, what you need. But that doesn't mean you're never going to have financial problems. It just means he's going to help you through it. Like Kira talked about in her testimony, he's going to be there with you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you strength and wisdom to navigate through it. Um, and, and, uh, and that's what we're going to focus in on tonight. Also... Man, I'd be be remiss not to mention that, man, just sitting in this room, just sitting in this room in Memphis, Tennessee, in the United States of America, we're crazy blessed, right? Relative to 99% of the world, man, God God has blessed us so much. If you've got clean water to drink, and and I'm incredibly biased, but Memphis, Tennessee has the best water in the world. I've not drank all the water in the world, but Memphis has the best water in the world. If you've got clean water that you can go to and drink easily, Man, you're so, you're so head and shoulders above so much of the world that doesn't have access to that. If you've got a bed to sleep in tonight, if you've got a roof over your head, right? If you've got heating and colding, right, that you can, you can adjust, um, man, you're so blessed, right? If you've not gone hungry today, you've not gone hungry this week, um, and compared to so much of the world, compared to 99% of the world, man, here in America, we live in the lap of luxury. We are blessed. We talk about being rich, or I want to be like this person or this superstar, but, but, man, we are rich. We really are. We're rich and we're blessed. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Third and final disclaimer, Jack, Jackie and I are not rich by American standards, right? Jack, Jackie and I are not rich. We have financial problems just like everybody else, right? So I'm not teaching tonight as some super whiz financial guru uh, who lives in a mansion and has 18 cars, right? Uh, Jackie and I are not, are not crazy, filthy rich by... Western American standards. We're not. We have financial problems just like everybody else. But God's word is still true, and we would not be good pastors if we didn't teach it. Um, And even though wealth in this life is not guaranteed, that does not mean there are not wise principles uh, that we can learn from the scripture that are going to help us immensely with our finances if we put them into practice, if we apply them. Um, No, you're not guaranteed to be filthy rich, right? No, you're not guaranteed the Mercedes Benz and the 19-bedroom house with the, with the three pools, right? Um, but, man, the Bible is full of financial principles that you can start applying today that are going to enrich your life, bless your life, are going to help your financial situation to uh, improve drastically if you put these things into practice. That's what we're going to focus in on tonight. So, those three disclaimers out of the way. What does God's Word say about our finances and how we should handle our money? What does God's word, what does the Bible have to say about our finances and how God wants us to handle our money? It says a lot, actually. Like a whole lot. Um, One thing I read said over 2,000 verses in the Bible that just have to do with money. 2,000 verses that just address our money, our finances, and what we should do with that money. Um, Just looking at the teachings of Jesus, right? Jesus talked more about money than the subjects of heaven and hell combined. Right? Jesus talked a lot about money. Your Bible talks a lot about money. Um, so because the Bible has to say, a lot to say about money, um, as Christians, man, we need to look at these things. We need to learn these things, and we need to apply them to our lives. Um, we run into so many students, Jackie and I do, uh, 
the, the, that are caught up in financial difficulties, right? The, and, and man, it's common. Man, I've been a college student too. Like I said, Jackie and I aren't rich. We run into financial difficulties too. Um, but, but we run into students, man, that are in really tough financial situations. And it breaks my heart because I've been there. Uh, and I want to encourage them and I want to help them. I do everything I can to encourage them and to help them. And as a pastor, I want to pray for them. And I do pray for them. And as I'm praying, I'm thinking in my mind of all these verses to pray over them, right? All these blessings from the Bible to pray over them. Man, I want to pray this blessing over them. Pray this blessing over them. Uh, but then in my mind, I know so many of those blessings um, are not just blanket statements, blanket promises. They're conditional. God says, if you do this, then this kind of blessing will come on your life, right? Uh, and so, man, I, I, you know, thinking to myself, man, it's important that Chi Alpha, man, we know, we know those conditions, right? Uh, we know those things that we should do, know those ways that we can be obedient to God with our finances so that uh, God can bless us. Because um, these promises are not just blanket promises. And sometimes Christians will quote these promises that God's going to bless you, God's going to take care of you, and they quote them out of context without the conditions of, of what you're supposed to do to make that promise uh, conditional to you. Um, and and man, that's one of the most frustrating things in the world to me when I see, a, when I see people quoting Scripture out of context, using Scripture out of context. Sometimes it's just ignorance. Sometimes it's just, man, they don't know any better. That's what they heard, and they're just using it out of ignorance. Man, other times it's to manipulate people. You see people using it wrong, uh, and it's to manipulate it, and, and you're knowing, man, that's not really what that verse means. Or if you look at it in context, that's not what that verse is talking about, the way you're using it. Um, man, it frustrates me. So it's important for us to understand the context of the promises we come across in Scripture uh, and God's promise to bless our finances hinge on some very specific conditions. So we're going to be looking at uh, a few of those key conditions tonight, three of them. Uh, these are simple, practical things that you can start doing today uh, to put yourself in a position where you're going to be more healthy financially, put yourself in a position where God can bless your finances more. Um, first one, first thing, God blesses responsibility. God blesses financial responsibility, financial uh, shrewdness, financial um, being a grown-up, right, and, and, uh, and, and being wise about your spending, um, and God blesses responsibility. Um, so financial wisdom is, is packed throughout Scripture, um, and, and especially looking at the book of Proverbs, we see so many uh, wise instructions given, simple instructions, but incredibly wise instructions on, on how to manage our finances, how to manage our money. Uh, and there's a few of them I want to look at tonight. Um, first one is Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And some of you guys are like, well, duh, right? Solomon, I could have told you that. Um, but man, this is important, Right? The Bible says, man, if you're, if you're lazy, then you can expect poverty. That it's, it's hard work that brings wealth. It's diligence that brings wealth. Um, man, some of you guys are in a situation where, uh, you know, finances are tight, and it means some more hard work is needed, right? Uh, some of you guys say, man, I need to make room in my schedule for a part-time job, or I've already got a job. Maybe make some room for some more hours, or maybe I need to find a job that pays more, Right? And I know it's not easy to find a job, right, as a college student. I know it's not easy to find a job that fits your schedule. Um, so, 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 man, if you're, if you're out there and you're, and you're beating, the, beating down doors trying, trying to get a job and, and you're, you're in that struggle, man, man, I feel you. I'm more talking to the guy who's sitting on the couch and says, man, I don't have any money. I'm broke. But he's, he's, not, he's not trying to work, right? He's not trying to have those diligent hands that are doing hard work. Uh, he's not doing anything about that situation, um, and that's what the Proverbs speak into, um, that, that if we're going to be lazy, if we're just going to sit around and do nothing, we can't really expect anything from this life but poverty. But God says, man, hard work is going to produce wealth. That's how it works. Um, slowly, over time, man, your hard work's going to pay off. Your diligence is going to pay off. Uh, and you, you work hard, your boss is going to notice that, Right? In a world, and you guys that, that work know this, in a world where everyone's doing just enough to not get fired, right? Everyone's given 20%, 25%, just so the boss doesn't say, you're out of here, right? In a world where everyone's doing just enough to get by, if you go in there and you give 100%, your boss is going to see that, right? And it's going to be you that gets the promotion. It's going to be you that gets the raise. It's going to be you that gets the bonus. If you work hard, your boss is going to notice, your coworkers are going to notice, God notices, and he's going to bless you. Um, it's not a get-rich-quick get thing. It's a get-rich 
slow thing over time. But if someone tells you about they've got some get-rich-quick scheme for you, um, it's probably rubbish, right? It's probably nonsense. Uh, and the only proven way to get rich is slowly, over time, through hard work, right? Slowly, working hard, uh, spending less than you make, saving it up, investing it wisely. Um, and that, that's how God, God wants to increase uh, our wealth. That's how God wants to bless us financially is through hard work. Just hard work. The second one, Proverbs 22.7, says this, and this is about debt. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. There's verses like this, and throughout Proverbs, there's verses like this throughout Scripture, over and over again, God emphasizing uh, the painful reality of debt. Uh, that, that debt is, is bondage. Debt is slavery. When you are in debt to somebody or to a institution or a corporation, man, you're a kind of slave to them. You're not financially free to do whatever you want, right? They have a say on where your money goes, and they say it goes to them. Um, and, and so I know there's some situations where, where, where debt, that's, it seems like that's almost unavoidable. Um, what the Bible encourages is do everything you can to avoid going into debt, right? Uh, in the United States, man, it, it's real hard to pay cash for a house, right? Most people have to get, get a mortgage. You know, a lot of people have to do some kind of student loan situation, for, for, for college, I understand that. Uh, but whenever possible, pay cash. Whenever possible, man, don't put it on the credit card. Don't take out a loan. Whenever possible, man, avoid that. Because, uh, man, being in debt to somebody is bondage, right? And, and, and man, if, you, if you've got a purchase you want to make, they say, man, I need that thing right now. And the thing's $100. You say, well, I don't have $100. I do have the visa. Right? I have the credit card. Um, and, and, and you buy that thing, which you don't really have money for, so you, you borrow to pay for it. Um, and you pay, pay for that thing in small payments over several years. Uh, by the time you're done, if you pay for it over five, uh, you know, five or six years, you've paid for that thing 10 or 15 times over with all of, all of the interest and fees and all those kind of things. Um, and, and, and nothing's worth that, right? Uh, so, man, a, a simple financial thing that God would have you to do today uh, is, is avoid debt at all costs. If at all possible, man, avoid debt. Avoid debt. Um, you know, figure out ways that you can, can cut your spending where you're not having to put it on credit cards, not having to put it on loans. Um, where you're trying to, you can pay off those, those, uh, those debts, pay off those loans, pay off those credit cards, and, and, and only pay for things if you have the cash, if you have the money available to spend. Um, and it may be looking at your finances and saying, hey, where can I cut down? Where am I overspending? Uh, if, if I don't have enough uh, to, to, to pay cash for these things, then, then I can't afford them. It's not worth going into debt. Some of you guys have family members, man, that are so weighed down on the debt that, that this, this verse about being a slave is not an exaggeration at all. And it feels like slavery. It feels like bondage. You're not financially free to do whatever you want because, because you've got this uh, debt weighing down on you. And that's not what God wants for you. Man, he wants you wherever possible to avoid going into debt, not borrow money, uh, but, but only man, pay, pay for things that you can pay cash for. Um, two more Proverbs to look at. Proverbs 13. Verse 16, wise people think before they act. The fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. You guys probably know some people like that. They just brag about how foolish they are. God doesn't want you to be one of those kind of people. God wants you to be the wise man, the wise woman that thinks before they act. And this has to do with planning, with strategizing. God wants you to make a plan for your money, a plan for your finances. God wants you to make a, this is the ugly B word, a budget, right? Not just... It's the end of the month. Where'd all my money go? No, no. Sit down at the beginning of the month before you get paid and write out a budget. Make a plan for your money. So it's not, oops, where did my money go? But at the beginning of the month, I'm telling my money, this dollar you're going over here, this dollar you're going over here. But make a plan. Be wise about it. Uh, verse, uh, Proverbs 21, 20, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Right? The foolish man, man he, he sees something. He's like, man, I got to have it now. I gotta have it now. I gotta buy it now. Do you have the money for it? Doesn't matter. I'm buying it now. God says that's foolish. Don't do that. That's where all your money goes on those foolish purchases you don't really need. Um, and the the, the 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 biggest wisdom, man, that I can impart to you guys, man, dealing with financial planning uh, and, and and wisely uh, and thinking about your, your steps financially is to make a budget. If you don't have any kind of budget you're working from, this is something you can do today that'll make a huge difference uh, in your finances. And if you've never made a budget before, and it's, it's not as hard as it sounds, it's not scary, 
Um, it's not even that difficult. Uh, Jackie and I use an Excel spreadsheet to run our budget and all the bills we have that we need to pay each month listed out. Uh, then I've got you know, how much we get paid and we kind of go down the column to see how much money is left, if there's any money left. Uh, and, and so for you guys, if you've never made a budget before, man, sit down and write it down. You don't have to use Excel. You can use a pencil and a piece of paper. Uh, but write down all of the expenses you have in a month and start with the bigger ones first. Rent, utilities, phone, school stuff, whatever the real big ones are. Uh, and list them out, biggest to smallest. What are your main expenses for the month? Some of you guys say, I don't have any idea. Well, you know what? You can go to the bank and they'll print you out. Say, can I get a printout? Of my last two months of financial activity, or some of you guys can go on the online banking and see that and say, oh, yeah, I forgot, I've got this expense here. Or do I really spend that much at Taco Bell every month? Or do I, you know, um, this is how much I spend on food. This is how much I spend on going out. This is how much I, uh, and write all that out, right? You're not doing yourself any favors by just winging it, right? Winging it gets you into trouble. Winging it is how you get to the end of the month and say, there, there's still some month left, but there's not any money left, right? Um, but, but make a budget. Write out your expenses and write out how much you get paid. So you can tell every dollar where to go. Okay, I get paid this much, then this much money needs to go here, this much money needs to go here, and then you know, I, I can see what I'm working with, right? If, how much I get, if the expenses are more than how much I get paid, then what do I need to do? I need to work some more. I need to fi- cut some expenses. I need to figure out something. Uh, I need to figure out ways that I can cut spending, ways I can do things cheaper, things I don't really need to be doing. Uh, and e- either cut down on expenses or figure out a way for my income to go up, whether that's working more hours or, or getting a better job, something like that. Uh, but something you guys can do today, this week, that are going to help you immensely uh, is do like the writer of Proverbs is talking about and plan. Make a plan. Make a strategy. Write out a budget. If you need help writing out a budget, I'll sit down with you, right? We can sit down at Starbucks. Uh, we'll both get waters. Uh, and I'll, I'll help you write out a budget. Again, it's not scary. It's not even hard, but it's just making yourself do it. It's being disciplined. It's being disciplined. Spending wildly is foolish, but, man, that's the way of our our flesh. That's what we're prone to do. Uh, Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can't be self-controlled on our own, right? We need God's help. So so pray. Say, God, I know that I overspend. I know that I make stupid financial decisions, uh, but I want to be a better better steward of what you've entrusted me. I want to be more responsible with my money. Holy Spirit, uh, I need that fruit of the Spirit of self-control in my life uh, so I can be more disciplined with my money. Uh, So making a budget, spending less than we make, uh, and saving. Um, And if you spend less than you make, then you've got money that you can save for the future, right? We talked about debt, man, is such a problem because of that issue of interest. Now, with all the interest and all the fees, you end up paying for the thing several times what it's worth by the time you're done. But, man, if you spend less than you make and you've got money that you can save, money that you can invest, well, now the interest is working for you. Like I said, it's not get rich quick. It's get, get rich slowly over time. But over time, as you're sacking money away, as you're saving money, as you're putting money away, each, 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 every two weeks or every month, you're putting a little bit away, putting a little bit away, the miracle of compound interest is that's going to grow. That's going to grow. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to see that thing grow, grow, grow. Uh, and if you're faithful to save money, set, set money aside, and that's going to grow, and you're going to have something uh, that when you get older, you can lean back on, right? That you can retire on. It's going to take care of you. Make that interest work for you. Instead of you paying out all that interest, man, you know, spend less than you make so you can save, so you can invest, so you can make that interest work for you. Um, that's going to be it about God blesses responsibility. And there's super practical stuff we can start doing today. Uh, and God's word says, man, that, that, that's how to have a blessed life. That's how to have your finances in order in a place that God can bless him. Uh, so number one, God blesses responsibility. Number two, God blesses obedience. Sometimes our financial problems have a spiritual root. Uh, we're in sin or in disobedience of some kind, uh, and that's causing financial problems for us. Right? Sometimes it's just that we're being foolish, we're overspending, we're not spending wisely. Um, but sometimes, man, we're in sin and we're in disobedience to God. And one of the ways that that affects our life may be through financial problems and financial difficulties. Um, look at this passage of scripture for me in Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, God has just got done giving the law to the people of Israel through Moses. Um, he's given them the law that he wants them to follow. And he caps off the law with this big block of promises. Um, so, so, so God speaking through Moses uh, to the people, uh, Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 1, um, 
God says this, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And then he starts listing blessings. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. That sounds good, right? Your herds getting blessed? I don't have any herds. Well, whatever it would be for you, okay? Uh, your fruit baskets and bread boards will be blessed wherever you go. Whatever you do, you'll be blessed. And that's not even all. Like it keeps going, but for the sake of brevity, that's all I'm going to put up there. Right? It keeps going several more verses. Uh, God's going to bless this. God's going to bless that. He's going to make you the head and not the tail. This part of your life's going to be blessed. This part of your life's going to be blessed. And you're reading that and you're like, yeah. Now we're getting to the good scripture. Now we're getting to good Bible verses all the way God's going to bless me. I like that. I'm going to be blessed wherever I go and whatever I do. Now we're talking. Matt, now you're getting to the good stuff. There is a super important two-letter word. I want you guys to see there in verse 2. Super important two-letter word. You will experience all these blessings. Yes. Yes, all these blessings. Important two-letter word that follows it. If. If you obey the Lord your God. These blessings are not just blanket. You get a car. You get a car. It's not Oprah, right? (laughs) These blessings are conditional. And, And if you're praying them over your life and you're quoting them to other people, as anything but conditional on your obedience, uh, then you're mishandling those scriptures. You're misusing them. Um, God blesses obedience. He says all these blessings are going to come on your life if you obey the Lord. So if you're looking at your life and you're saying, God, I really need some blessings, but I've got these areas where I'm in sin, I'm in rebellion, I'm not obeying you. There's things I know that I should be doing and I'm not doing them. There's things I know that I shouldn't be doing, and I am doing those things, but I want you to bless me, but I'm not obeying. Well, man, those, those blessings are conditional. If you obey, if you obey, God blesses obedience. And the inverse is also true. So this passage is followed by another passage, a promise that's the complete opposite. God says, if you do not obey, if you do not obey, then, uh, and he said, for everywhere that says bless, it says you're going to be cursed instead. Cursed in the field, cursed here, cursed there, cursed coming, cursed going out. Uh, you know, when, when we disobey God, instead of bringing a blessing on our life, we're bringing a curse on our life. Um, when God gives us the law for us to obey, uh, Deuteronomy 6 tells us that God's law, God's word, God's statutes are for our good always. That word's for our good. When we rebel against it, man, that's going to bring destruction into our life, harmful things into our life. Um, how many of you guys, I know every single one of you, there were rules in your home growing up, right? Mom set down some rules, grandma set down some rules, somebody set down some rules, you, you didn't, unless you're like in the jungle, raised by wolves or something. Uh, and even then, like in the jungle book, like the wolf mama gave them rules too. Um, you guys all had rules. And how many of you guys, that when you broke the rule in your house, you got rewarded? That when you broke the rule in your house, your mom, hey, let me find my purse, okay, here's $20. <laughs> no. No. Right? You maybe got $20 if you did something good, like you did some chores. Some of you guys got paid for report cards. I didn't get that nonsense, but some of you guys got, got money for, got A's got money. Uh, you got rewarded for good behavior. Um, but not anyone in this room, when they broke the law, when, when they broke the rule, mom went and got her, her pocketbook and was rewarding that, rewarding that bad behavior. Right? God's not going to do it either. Right? He says, if you don't obey me... Uh, I can't bless that. I can't bless that. I'm not going to reward bad behavior that I know is just going to wreck your life. That's just going to bring destruction on your life. Just going to get you in trouble. If you're, if you're in sin, you're pursuing these things that I know are going to be harmful to you. Um, I'm going to withdraw blessing so you'll hit rock bottom and snap out of it, right? So you'll be like, whoa, what am I doing? And come back to God. And he's going to reward good behavior if you obey all these things. Then, blessed in the field, blessed over here. All your sheep are blessed. All your over here is blessed. You know, whatever that is for your life. I don't, I don't think any of y'all have sheep. Any of y'all have livestock. Somebody might. Um, but, 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 but God's going to, he's going to, you know, bless. That's for looking at your own uh, and finances and resources and the situations in your own life. But these, these blessings are conditional. God blesses obedience. And when it comes to financial blessing, he's particularly concerned with obedience in our finances and in the area of tithes and offerings. So what is tithing? What is tithing? Um, The word tithe, it just means a tenth. Ten percent. So the tithe is a tenth. It's ten percent. Ten percent 
of whatever you meant. And we see this begin in Scripture. Even before the law is given, we see the people of God uh, giving to the Lord, giving, giving to the Lord through, through priests, uh, giving to God a tenth of their possessions. So a tenth of whatever you meant, giving, giving that to the Lord. We see that reinforced uh, in the law. This is the way that God provided uh, for, for, for the temple, for the priests, um, the, the, the Levites, so the people, uh, the tribe of Levi, the, the, the priests that, that worked in the tabernacle, that worked in the temple, man, they didn't have their own fields and their own crops to work, right? They lived off the tithe that the people brought in, right? This is the way that God uh, planned to, to finance the ministry, uh, to, to, to pay for the ministry, to pay uh, for, for, for the Levites and everything that had to do with the temple, um, and, and God said, I want you to bring, bring in a tenth, and a tenth uh, goes back to God. All of your money belongs to God. Like, as, as a Christian, everything you have is God's. Your whole life, your whole bank account, all of it's God's. And God says, I want you to return a tenth to me. And he's got several reasons for that. We'll, talk, we'll touch on a couple of them. Um, but the command from Scripture says, God, God says, I want a tenth. I want 10% uh, of whatever you make. It's all mine anyway, but you can work with 90%, but a tenth of it returned to me. Um, and that's one of those rules that we need to obey. Uh, man, why, why, why does God want that 10%? God doesn't need our money. Right? God doesn't need our $27.18, right? Why does God want us to give? Why does God want us to, to, to give that 10% to him? And first of all, it shows who's really Lord of your life, right? Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be awesome, right? I can tell a lot about what you value, about what you love, if I can look at your pocketbook, if I can look at your bank statement, right? I can say I love one thing, but then you can go and look at First Tennessee and look at my bank statement and see what I really love when I spend money on. Um, you say, I really love my kids because kids are stinking expensive. Uh, but but if, I, if I could look at your, if I, none of you guys keep a check ledger anymore, I know. Uh, but if I could look at your bank statement, I can see what you really care about, what you're really passionate about. God, you know, that's what Jesus said, where your heart is, where, is where your treasure is. So you can say, God, you have my whole life. I love you, God. You have my whole life. But God said, oh, no, I have your whole life. I want to have your finances. And I know I've got your finances when you obey me about tithe. When you say, 10%, God, I'm going to surrender back to you to show that I trust that you're in control of my life. You're in control of my finances. You got me. Uh, and I'm going to obey you in this. Um, and in modern day, we don't have Levites and we don't have the temple. But this is still what God uses to finance the ministry. Uh, your, your tithe, your tenth of what you make, uh, goes to the local church, wherever your local church is. So some of you guys that's believing, some of you guys that's First Assembly, some of you guys that's uh, Fellowship, um, some of you guys that's the Life Church, right? Where, wherever your local church is, where you're plugged in, wherever you're being fed spiritually, wherever, wherever you're involved, uh, your local church, man, that's where your tithe goes. And then, and then your church will use that to, to pay staff, to, to reach out to the community, to do all the work of the ministry, to perpetuate the gospel, to, to do missions, all those kind of things. Um, and, and that's the way you give that to God is through your local church. You don't give it to a charity. Charities are good, but that's not where your tithe goes, right? And like I said, we don't even take up an offering in Kalfa. Kalfa doesn't want your tithe. Like, if, you've, if you don't listen to me and you're not going to church anymore, anywhere, even though I say you really need to find a local church to plug into, um, you know, that's, that's one thing. But, like, your, your, your tithe needs to go to a local church, not to, uh, not, not to a charity, um, there's a lot of good causes to give to. There's plenty of worthy causes, um, but that's not where your tithe goes, right? So, so you want to give your tithe to a charity. You give an offering to a charity. Uh, you give an offering to the poor. You give alms to the poor, but your tithe goes to the local church. And that's why you give your tithe uh, to God. We give our tithe first before paying the other bills rather than just working through the month and hoping there's 10% left over when we're done. There won't be, right? <laughs> you need to pay your tithe first. So I talked about writing out the budget. That first line needs to be tied, right? So I'm looking at my paycheck. I got paid $200. Yes. How much is that first line is the tie? Man. Okay, let's say I got paid, let's say I got paid $350. What's that first line say for tie? Man, you guys are doing that college now. Yes. It's not hard, right? It's not hard. But make it the first line. Make it the first thing you spend. Don't, don't just... Spend on all these other bills and hope you've got 10% left over because you won't. But if you make that first, and God's going to honor that. Look at this verse here, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. The writer of Proverbs 
says this. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. He says, honor the Lord with your first fruits. So, man, pay that tithe first. Give to the Lord first. Uh, and then he's going to make sure that that 90% uh, that you have left is going to go as far as it needs to go. Right? Um, you're going to be able to live a whole lot better on that 90% under God's blessing than you ever could under that 100%, 100% uh, outside of God's blessing. Does that make sense? He says, man, give that to God first. And God's going to help make sure you have enough for, for all those other expenses. Um, other verse on tithing I want to look at, and then, and then we'll move on from tithing. Uh, man, this is a key one. This is Malachi chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 8. Malachi is a prophet um, to, to the people of God, and God speaks through Malachi, and he says this. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Will a man, will a woman rob God? Yet you rob me. It says, but you may ask, God, how are we robbing you? Like, how do you rob God? How do you take from God? And he says, in tithes and offerings. That's the way you're robbing me, by withholding those tithes and offerings. Those, those tithe, that tithe belongs to God. Like I said, everything belongs to God. Like the whole universe belongs to God. But that 10%, he says, man, you're supposed to surrender that to me. You're supposed to give that back to me uh, for, for, for my kingdom purposes uh, that's a way to show that your life is yielded to me, but you rob me by withholding that. I don't want to rob God, right? If I'm going to rob anybody, like it's not going to be God. Um, verse 9, so because of that, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. Um, he says, by withholding your tithe, man, you're, you're just robbing from me, and you're robbing from yourself too. Because, man, if you're going to obey God in that, he says, test me. Test me. See if I won't bless you like crazy where you can't even stand. Right? Test me in this. You're not going to find a lot of places in the Bible where God says to test him. Right? This is one. This is one. Where God says, test me. Test me. See if you can't live better on that 90% than you did on that 100 because of the blessing that's going to come upon your life. God's going to help you out. He's going to provide for you. God says we can test him in it. He promises that we'll be more blessed uh, living on that 90% than we ever would have on 100. And Jackie and I can personally attest to this, man. I cannot tell you how many times God has helped us uh, through financial difficulty, has bailed us out of a tough financial situation. And we've been tithing uh, our entire marriage, right? Uh, and since I was late high school, early college, like every... Every paycheck I made, as long as I can remember, man, I've, I've, I've tithed. I've, I've made sure to, to, to write a check out to the church or take cash out to the church to tithe. Uh, and, and, and God's faithful. He's faithful to his word, man. He, he's taking care of us. Uh, there's been so many times where we're looking at a financially desperate situation saying, God, there's no way that this amount of money is going to cover this many bills. Like, this is not going to happen. Uh, and, and, and every month, man, God, God shows up. God comes through. And sometimes... The crazy thing, it'll be like the exact amount that we need, right? I can't tell you, like, I, if I started listing stories, we'd be here all night. And we're not doing that because the popcorn. Um, <laughs> but there's so many times, I mean, God's taking care of us. Uh, and I know with all my heart, it's because, it's because we've been faithful to tithe. Because we've surrendered that to God, um, God's made sure that the 90% left is enough to cover everything that it needs to cover. Um, this is wild, man. Even today, like earlier this afternoon... Uh, and, and God did a big thing financially uh, for our family just earlier today. Um, and I know it's on my heart, man. It's because that even when things are tight, even when we're crazy strapped, we do this. We tie. We think, make sure that 10% goes to God. It's the first thing that I pay. It's the first item on the budget. And as soon as we get paid, I don't want to pay another bill until I sit down and, and, and pay our tithe. Make sure God, God gets his money first. Um, there's been times where we had, we're looking at the budget, said, man, we are... Uh, I'll show this one story. Uh, there, there was a month where we were $1,100 short. 11 and two zeros after, and then the period of two more zeros. <laughs> Over $1,000 we were short to, to, to just pay our normal monthly expenses um, for, for, for the month. This is not outlandish, extravagant, wild living. This is just the normal to keep the lights on, to pay the mortgage, that kind of stuff. Um, $1,100 short. Um, I went to go speak at a... I'm a mission... You know, 
Kalfa is a missions organization, so Jackie and I are missionaries. I'm speaking at a missions convention, but I'm not the main speaker, right? They've got like a main speaker who's this really hot shot guy in Africa, and then there's me. Um, you know, he gets like 30 minutes, and I get like 60 seconds. Says, so here's what Kalfa is. Okay, I'm done. Um, you know, like, like he, he's the main speaker, right? He gets he gets the big check, and that's fine. That's that's whatever. That's I know what I was getting into. Um, and after the missions convention, we all go back to the same hotel, and we're all hanging out together. Me, uh, me, another missionary, and, and this guy. Um, his name, his name's uh, Dick Brockton. Some of you guys heard me share about him before. Amazing missionary, right? Um, and, uh, and and we're talking, and we're just being real with each other, because like, if you can't be real with other pastors, other missionaries, who can you be real with? And I'm saying, hey, like, would you guys pray for me? And we're in a super desperate. Uh, financial situation and, and just really need God's help, right? I did not expect any more than just them, them praying for me and, and trusting that God's taking care of us in the past. He's going to take care of us again. End of the night, and we're, we're going back to our rooms, and he says, hey, Matt, come with me uh, over here for a second. Um, and, and, uh, and, and he's got something. I don't, I don't even see how he does it, but he, like, it's like a magician. He, you know, he gets this piece of paper in my hand. He says, hey, it's nice hanging out with you. Nice meeting you. I feel like he put something in my hand. i um, been doing this a while, so it's some pride and pride money. So, hey, that's cool. Um, and I thank him, and then I go out into the hallway, and I, I fold it. Um, it was $1,100, a check, $1,100 exactly. I didn't tell him, like, I didn't tell him that, 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 that amount. I just said, man, we're in this financially desperate situation. Um, and he'd signed over his big check that he got from the mission convention. He just signed it over uh, to, to me and Jackie, like the exact amount. And I'm standing there in the hallway, right, and I bust into tears. Like, I'm like, God, you got me. You got me. I didn't know how I was going to do this month. And then so like, I knock on the door to thank him. And I'm like, I'm crying at this point. He's like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, you just don't understand. You don't know how this means to me. And, um, even thinking about it, like, I'm, I'm going to start crying now. But uh, exact amount. And, and that's one story. God has done that again and again and again. Um, God says, test me. See if I'm not going to bless you to where you can't even stand it. Uh, again, Jackie and I aren't rich, but God takes care of us every single month. There's never been a month where we couldn't pay our rent, you know, where our kids couldn't eat. Um, God takes care of us, right? We're not rolling in benzes, but God takes care of us, right? We have what we need, amen? Um, and and if, if you're not tithing uh, and you say, man, I know that's something I need to do, but, man, I can't even imagine. Where would that 10% even come from? Work up to it. Man, work up to it. Start this week saying, okay, I'm gonna, I can do 1%, right? I, I don't know if I can do 10%. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this week I'm going to do 1%, and then next week I'm going to challenge myself to do 2%. Right? And I'm going to challenge myself to do 3% uh, until, until I've worked up to it. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to test God, like the Bible says. And I'm going to trust that he's going to take care of me. But if I'm faithful to tithe, he's going to take care of me. Um, but that's something man, I encourage each of you to do. That's something you guys can do. Simple. Not, not easy, but it is simple. Uh, man, you can start doing now to, to see more blessing of God on your life and on your finances. Um, God wants, you, wants us to tithe. He wants us to be faithful with the tithe. Uh, the tithe, I mean, some people get hung up. Is the tithe in Old Covenant? I mean, that's Old Covenant law stuff. That's Old Testament stuff. What about in the New Testament? Yeah, in the New Testament, um, we're not bound by that, that law necessarily to tithe. The, the, the need for us to, to have our finances submitted to God doesn't disappear, right? We still need to, that's still God's plan for financing the church, for spreading the gospel. That's still, that's still something God wants from us. I hear a lot of pastors, scholars, teachers, theologians say that, that for Christians, tithing would be a good like floor, a good bottom, a good minimum, at least 10%, maybe more. Like Some of you guys will be in a financial situation where, not like now, as college students, but in the future, where you give more than that, where you can give 20%, you can give 30%, 30%. But as a Christian, uh, the tithe is the floor, right? The, the, and then generosity calls us to give, to give even, even above that when we're able. Um, and so the third and final thing I want to talk about. We talk about God blesses responsibility. God blesses obedience. And the final thing to wrap it up, God blesses generosity. God blesses generosity. God wants us to be generous with what we have, giving to others cheerfully. God wants us to give generously, give extravagantly. Why? Why? Like I said, God doesn't need our money. I guess other people were giving generously too, probably do need our money. Um, but one of the main reasons, and if you guys, and th- this is the takeaway I want you guys to take away about why does God want me to give. God wants you to give because he wants you to be more like him. The whole, whole process of, uh, of Christianity is becoming more and more like Jesus, amen? It's becoming less like me and more like God. So God shaped my character to make me more like himself, and God is a giver. 
God is a generous giver. Uh, and he wants us to be givers so we'll be more like him. Right? God's not stingy. And God's a giver. Uh, man, he, he, he gives and he gives generously. He gave his own son. He gave his own son. I don't know anyone else that's done that. Uh, he gave his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross so we could be saved from our sins and made right with God and have a home in heaven. God's a giver. So when God asks us to give, he doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. And that's the way we show our hearts are yielded to him, our lives are yielded to him. Uh, and that when we give, when we're generous, it's in that way that we're more like God. God's a giver. He wants us to be givers too, so we'll be more like him. Does that make sense? Um, God wants us to be extravagant and generous in our giving, so we'll be more like him. Uh, and, and when we're generous, then God says he's going to bless that. He's going to bless that. Paul is writing a church uh, in the city of Philippi. Um, this is in Philippians 4, verse 19. Some of you guys heard this verse, know this verse, maybe quoted this verse, love this verse. Here's the context, though. So Paul is writing to this church, a church that has blessed him generously as a missionary. This is a church that's given to him, made sure his missionary team had everything he needed. So the few verses before this one in Philippians 4, um, and Paul's you know, bragging on them, all the ways they've given to him, all the ways they've blessed him, all the ways they've encouraged him. Uh, and, and then he says, because, because of all this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Because you've been so generous with me, because you've given so freely, you've given so generously, and God blesses generosity, God's going to make sure all your needs are met because you were generous. Paul also writes to uh, the church he planted in the city of Corinth, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 7. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the dream, right? Have everything you need and plenty to share with others. Um, but he, he says, man, but you need to give generously. You need to give cheerfully, not under compulsion, not pressured. Not give because, like, that gave you a guilt trip or made me feel real bad when... Preach the Bible at me. Um, it, but, but give generously because, man, you want to bless God, want to help other people, want to bring other people joy uh, and help them because God's helped you. Uh, want to have your character be more like Jesus and be a giver because God's a giver. Uh, he says you've got to decide how much to give, right? You've got to decide. Uh, and don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. Uh, man, but do it, do it cheerfully. Um, God's going to see that and he's going to, generously provide for all that you need and the promise is that you're always going to have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others when you give not just whenever but man when you give when you give generously god's going to make sure you have all that you need um this will be the last verse we'll look at uh luke chapter 6 verse 38 this is jesus talking and he says give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. That's pretty simple. Uh, the amount you give, how generously you give, determines how generously God blesses you. It's like a, uh, it's a, it's a one-one ratio there. Um, how generous you are with other people, that's how generous God's going to be with you. Jesus says, man, when you, when you give... Uh, I mean, God sees that. He blesses generosity. You don't give so that God will bless you, right? You give because you want to be more like Jesus, because you want to help other people, because it's the right thing to do. But Jesus says, when you do give, God notices. In Matthew 6, it says, God sees what you do in secret, and he's going to reward you openly. He sees when you give. He sees when you help other people, and he's going to reward that generosity. Uh, and he says it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, so there's room for more to be added to it. Uh, and he says the amount you give is going to determine the amount you get back. How generous you are uh, with other people determines how generous God's going to be with you. God blesses generosity. I said that was the last verse, so I won't, I won't do that Proverbs one. But basically it says generous people will be blessed uh, because they give to the poor. So these, 
These promises that Christians quote to each other about finances and God providing for their needs are directly tied to obedience and generosity. God says, if you do this, then God will do this. They're conditional. They're conditional. Now, whenever you see a big blanket blessing uh, verse, man, look at it in context and see what the condition is. Usually there's some obedience there. Usually it's talking about your own generosity. Um, and that's, that's the kind of thing that God can bless. That's the kind of financial situation that God can bless. God can bless the person whose life is totally yielded to Jesus, um, where they're being responsible with their finances, uh, or, or, or they're being obedient to the Lord, particularly in the area of, of tithes and offerings. And God can bless the person who's generous, who's not trying to hoard as much as they can get, but saying, who can I bless? Who can I help out? Who can I give freely to? That's the kind of person that God can bless and bless uh, generously. Um, so to wrap up, man, the challenge is, uh, if you're not budgeting, uh, man, start budgeting this week, right? Start making a plan for your money. Be responsible with your money uh, and start saving uh, and figure out ways you can cut back and spend less. Uh, be smarter with your money. God can bless that. Um, another challenge, man, is to surrender your finances to the Lord. Saying, God, honestly, tithing, giving, offerings to God sounds really scary, and I don't even know how to live on the money I have, so the idea of giving some of it to you and then trying to live on less, it's really scary. And it's one thing to like quote all these promises at me, Matt, but I need help with that. Well, man, the challenge to you is just to start trying to do it. Just to start trying to do it. And I'm going to pray for you. God will help you um, and, and, and trust the Lord that he's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Amen. Um, you guys bow your heads. I want to take a chance to pray for you. Uh, and then and we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Um, there's a lot of principles here, and this is just tip of the iceberg stuff. Uh, your word has so much to say uh, about our financial health, about, about um, and how we should treat our money. Uh, and, and so, God, I pray that you'd help us to take these principles and apply them to their, our lives, that we wouldn't just hear them and then go in one ear and out the other, God, but we'd be doers of your word, God. Help us to put these things to practice in our own life. Help us to be responsible with the money you have to entrust to us. Maybe it's not very much at all. Maybe it's just a tiny bit. God, help us to be responsible with that tiny bit. God, help us to be faithful with what you've given us, God, so you can trust us with more, God. God, help us to budget, God. Help us to spend less than we make so we can save for the future, God. Show us areas that that we need to cut back, um, that we need to cut down on our spending, um, places we're being frivolous, God, places we can be more wise. Um, God, I pray that you'd help us to be obedient uh, in following you. Um, God, if there's any areas of sin and areas of compromise that we know, God, are, are putting us in a place where you really cannot bless us, um, God, would you help us with that? Would you help us to turn from our sin and turn to you in obedience, God? Um, and God, help us to obey you in, 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 our, in our finances, to obey you to, to, to tithe, to give, to give offerings to you, God. Um, and and I, just, I pray that you would help students, God, to feel, feel courage uh, to, to, to obey your word in that area, God. And I trust, God, that your word is true and you're going to bless them and you're going to care for them. Just as you've cared for Jackie and I for decades, God, God, I trust that you're going to care for them as well, Lord. Um, 